The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square, where tonight we're also being simulcast on our sister station, WBCA-FM 102.9 FM on the radio. And tonight, a very special program. As always, we're providing live coverage of the results from today's preliminary election here in the city of Boston. It's not citywide. It's uh, four districts uh, have competitive races and uh, some very spirited competition as well. We're talking about, uh, of course, an open seat in Dorchester, and parts of the uh, South End, that's District 3, where Frank Baker has given up his uh, seat. And also uh, in Hyde Park, Roslindale, Mattapan, District 5, uh, Councillor Arroyo is facing some tough opposition. And in District 6, Councillor Lara is facing some tough opposition as well. Also, District 7 is on the ballot today. We'll have all those results for you as well as some uh, commentary, some analysis from some very special guests when we come back with more of this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods. back with this special edition of Talk in the Neighborhoods. Tonight, uh, in four segments, some special guests joining us to talk about the results from today's preliminary election here in the city of Boston. We're covering races in districts three, five, six, and seven. That's a good chunk of the city of Boston and uh, some very interesting races as well. I'm very pleased to have joining me in this segment uh, some very special guests from the uh, First Suffolk Senate District uh, recently elected to that post and already uh, climbing the uh, legislative ladder uh, from East Boston. Uh, Senator Lydia Edwards joins us. Nice to have you here. Thank you very Lydia, much. Thanks Thank so much you. for joining us. And uh, of course, from South Boston, uh, longtime at large Boston City Councilor uh, Michael Flaherty joins us. Thank you, nice Joe. to have you here. Thank you for having me, Joe. Say. Well, let, let's start out. I, we're waiting for some. Uh, some firm results uh, that we're tracking here through the city of Boston. And, but uh, what did you see out there today? I, I know you're both uh, 
traveling around your, you know, the district, around the city. Uh, what did you see out there? Let me start with you, if you don't mind. I didn't see a lot, actually. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think no long lines. Yeah. No, no long lines. Um, I, uh, you know, I think I, I even put out a reminder post and. Uh, yeah. I, Please just go vote, uh, get out there. So I, I'll say that first and foremost. I didn't see a lot, but I'm sure the candidates were working very, very hard. Well, I know at uh, some around 6 p.m., the uh, uh, there was less than 12 percent of the yep. registered voters had right. turned on vote. Maybe it picked up in the last hour yep. or two, but uh, yep. I didn't see it. Did you, Mike? No, I didn't. So obviously, um, for, put the disclaimer in now that this is the only time that Joe will actually let you use a phone while you're there because. <laughs> Uh, Lydia and I are getting election results yeah, from yeah, our yeah, supporters yeah, well, and uh, you, folks across the city. What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Uh, well, obviously, there was, there was a district race in District 3, right. uh, District 5, right. District 6, and District 7. Right. So it wasn't citywide. So, but that said, it was still really low turnout um, across the board. But um, uh, I'll make, I'm going to go out there and call uh, John Fitzgerald is, is going to win of the District 3 seat, yeah. and it's a, a toss-up for, for second the, place. The son of former state representative Kevin Fitzgerald. That's correct. That's a long time. And an interesting left, my, I'm getting here that uh, I guess eight of the nine precincts in Ward 19, which is all of Jamaica Plain, right. which would be a Stallworth for right. uh, uh, Council Alara, uh, it appears Ben Weber has won every single one uh, mm -hmm. of those precincts. And then shifting over to Ward 20, which is West Roxbury, it appears right. that, um, that uh, William King will probably win just about every one of those precincts. So uh, probably not going to be so uh, a good Lara night for So in big trouble, or appears Yeah, I would to say be. that that looks like uh, from early returns, uh, that it looks as though that uh, she may not make uh, it past the preliminary election, and we will have a, a final runoff. Yep. Uh, Weber King King Weber, something like that. It's, yep. It looks like it's trending right. in that direction. Wow. And what about uh, District Five? Uh, of course, uh, Councilor Arroyo uh, has had his own troubles, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's several candidates running in that race right. too that have worked extremely right. hard. Right. Um, and same type of thing seems to be happening in Ward 18. Uh, haven't seen any Ward 17. Right. Results yet, but uh, Ward 18 looks as though it right now he may be running in third place uh, throughout High Park wow. and Reedville. Wow. So, that, what a um, development! Surprised, uh, Lydia? Is that? Uh... <laughs> I mean, look, look, look uh, yeah. I left the council right. um, earlier last year, okay. and uh, uh, from the state house view and from an outside view, there has definitely been some. Um, interesting developments, if you will, uh, watching how some of the councils have interacted. And I, I can't say that I'm, I'm surprised, honestly. I, I, um, I think people are questioning what's the point of the council at this point. Uh, were the uh, incumbents, and any incumbent right. probably could have been repudiated at this at this point right. any incumbent who had a challenger good thing, good thing you got out of there well you know i mean <laughs> it's more it's more it's more, it's more of a question of you know our and, and we'll see honestly if this is a a clean sweep uh, because the at-larges are up in, uh, in the right. fall right. Uh, but but honestly i think that they're across a lot of uh voters precincts and uh just just everyday people in boston are really Questioning a lot right. about the city council. Is it about them, or is it about uh, you know some larger changes going on in the city? I, you know, some people suggesting that the city is really going through you know some seismic changes. Of course, the uh, uh, one of which was the uh, uh, councilor from uh, District One became the senator from. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the third, first, Suffolk. Yeah, third, oh, Suffolk. third Suffolk. Third Suffolk. I, I'm sorry. Suffolk. I, 
Yeah, I mean, that, I wouldn't call that a seismic uh, <laughs> change, but um, I, I think uh, some people would like to yeah. make this a repudiation of progressivism. This, uh, some people would like to make this a bigger thing. If there is a mm -hmm. pushback, it's, it's, a, it's a, enough is enough on the ethical stuff. I think people are tired of watching politicians, whether it's Trump, uh, whether those get away with just being brazen in how they act. Right. They, don't, they don't find it professional, they don't find it effective. Some people are embarrassed by it and they're tired of it. And so I think people are pushing back on that. They just, at the very minimum, act right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me all the time, but act right. Well, I, you know, it might be seismic. Uh, Michael Flaherty, after 20 years yeah, uh, in the Boston City Council, deciding to hang it up. What's that? Lydia, part had, of the Lydia had enough before I had enough, right? So <laughs> <laughs> my, my wick was just a little bit longer than my tolerance, but, but she nails it. And funny, uh, as the longest serving member, when colleagues would come to say, you know, just to introduce themselves, but also to learn a little bit about city government and city hall and in sort of the mechanisms of how to get started as a city council. Mm -hmm. I often would reference uh, my former colleague, uh, city council mm -hmm. Lydia Edwards, uh, along with uh, city councilor Andrea Campbell and city councilor Michelle Wu as uh, come in, uh, build relationships, um, uh, build bridges, mm -hmm. uh, work hard uh, representing your districts. I mean, Lydia represents East Boston, Charlestown, the North End uh, on the council and um, uh, got right out there and, uh, and, and, and built relationships and worked hard and also was collegial and worked with colleagues. We didn't always agree no. uh, all the time, mm -hmm. but we found a way to sort of find mm -hmm. that common ground. At the end of the day, that's what the people want. People don't elect councilors to, to have all kinds of infighting, to have chaos, to have the body called a circus, a clown show, a Saturday Night Live skit. That's not why I joined. I joined to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I joined to help people and, and, and to work along with colleagues. They don't necessarily want you to always agree, but they want you to have a spirit of cooperation, collaboration with each other and with the uh, with, with the, the mayor. mayor of the city and, and, and the executive branch of city. Is government. that what drove you uh, to your decision? Yeah, I've never seen anything like a joke. I'm, in, I'm there really? the longest. I'm there 20 years. I've served with probably more city councils mm -hmm. than anyone in the history of the city council. If you look at all the turnover mm -hmm. that we've mm -hmm. had in the last 10 years, if you can point to any, probably even more, Charles Yancey and Dapper O'Neill, who may have been on the body longer That's than I have. But I actually served with the most individuals, and I've never had any type of situation uh, and or issues with colleagues uh, and or to be sitting and having a front row seat weekly, Joe, weekly to this chaos. And in uh, uh, tonight's election results will be a strong, loud message to a couple other colleagues right. that continue to sort of maybe, um, you know, uh, I guess emulate oh. some of uh, the behavior, the decorum. We haven't started a council meeting on time. I can't tell you when. Meetings start at noontime. Oh. Folks saunter in at 1218, 12.30. Uh, swearing on the council, dropping all kinds of uh, names and accusations. Uh, so there's been a number of factors, along with the fact that they, they drew, 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 uh, brought us into federal court. Wow. Redistricting, they drew redistricting right. lines on race. Is that why you decided to leave? Uh, all of that I happened after I left. Yes, she got I'd like to know that all of that happened after Edwards left the council. There it went. Well, so just for the record, yeah. uh, uh, no, why I, I yeah. left because yeah. I won a special election for, for state yes. senate. Yeah. I had run for that seat, in case yeah. people yeah. are curious, in yeah. 2016. Right. I did not win. Yeah. Uh, I went on and I uh, ran for the city council. I was there as a councilor for four years. I loved my job as a city councilor. Uh, what the opportunity presented itself again, I ran, and I'm happy that I ran, and I, it's a and different... Some people would say you're in the catbird seat now. You're oh, well, uh, the <laughs> chair of the housing committee. Uh, so so 
I have, you know what, it, it has reminded me that uh, the housing conversation, the poverty conversation, the people struggling conversation, it's bigger than Boston. And when you're in the State House, you really see that. I was just out in Western mm -hmm. Massachusetts seeing people struggle from all different sized towns, from town of 1,000 people to, to Holyoke mm -hmm. and Springfield. And um, I think that that, has, uh, that perspective is something that a lot of us are losing as politicians. Mm -hmm. You become so stuck on the votes and so stuck on the tweets and so stuck on the lights right. and the dopamine effect of the immediate response when you clap back at somebody. But the, it's the policy. Mm -hmm. like, whose lives are better because you are an elected official? And if people find that my life isn't getting any better, no. matter of fact, I'm a little embarrassed, yeah. you got to go. Right. Yeah, that may be. Uh, is it... Uh is it uh, driving people away from public service? I mean, there yes. was, uh, there was, there's not enough votes. Uh, after you decided not to run, Michael, there weren't enough uh, at-large candidates to uh, even be a yeah. preliminary election. Is it having a deleterious effect? Uh, well, I think um, watching people fight certainly does. I think uh, watching how they fight, because it's nasty, it's below yeah. the belt stuff. Let me yeah. go back into your past and look at the mistakes that you made. Let yeah. me make fun of your religion. Let me do whatever. Yeah. Let me call you all racist. Mm -hmm. Let me call you all, yeah. um, you know, communists. Let me yeah. call, we've heard, <laughs> well, we've heard all the words. We've heard all the words. But, you know, the name calling in general uh, and thinking, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to yeah. leave a job that I like, love. I want to serve people. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to be in that situation? Um, and I think it chased away. You could look at the bench for a lot of a lot of different uh, the seats right mm -hmm. now, even for the district city council seat. And um, you you wonder, you know, uh, where is that excitement to to serve in that capacity? Right. Yeah. But it could easily be trumped by the fact that. <laughs> No one wants to be attacked regularly. Right, yeah. And by the way, all that stuff that you put out about your colleague in public is permanent. Right. You know, it's you may there. feel temporarily a disdain for yep. somebody, but that's Michael. Yeah. He's a, yeah. a father. He's yeah. a married man. And me calling him whatever that I call him on Twitter, that's permanent and public. Right. And yeah. I, I, it's just not worth Social it. media. A lot of this uh, started or seemed to start, maybe maybe there's more there when in the... Uh, debate over redistricting. Uh, should we uh, go to a uh, uh, independent commission? Would that take some of the uh, bite out of this? I think so. Yeah, after having a front row seat, I served, I was on the body and was one of only two councils that had gone through redistricting. And the process that was led at that time was completely different than the process that was led by this time. And also, uh, it was uh, arguably, for lack of a better word, hijacked uh, by some outside forces. And uh, councilors were bullied and they were threatened. Uh, and there was this whole sort of email thing going back mm -hmm. and forth. And particularly, the, it was a perfect storm. 13 members of the city council, six of them were brand new. Only two had gone through redistricting. Right. A lot of impressionable folks. Um, and they were also following maybe a particular member uh, who was sort of coalescing. And it was really about not let's work together and let's do what's right mm -hmm. for Boston. It was, oh, I have the vote, so I'm going to draw the lines the way I want to draw them. Federal court, the judge stepped in and slapped the council right back to, to uh, my former colleague's point. And, in terms of just the collegiality and working together uh, and having differences. Used to be able to have a difference, used to have a spirited debate on the floor of the council. You could go out for coffee after, you could go to get a sandwich, or you would attend your colleague's event that night. That hasn't happened. That was before redistricting. So um, probably started right around well, the time there, that there may be they were some, electing uh, a council president. Reverberations uh, from uh, this whole debate and maybe uh, uh, some changes uh, to yeah. that process. Yeah. We've got just a couple of minutes left. Uh, yeah. What's next for the two of you? Uh, 
Lydia, I mentioned you're now the chair of the housing committee. I, I got to ask you, any chance uh, Mayor Wu's uh, rent stabilization uh, gets comes out in some form from the legislature this session? Uh, we're, I mean, I'll tell you this, we have the hearing coming up at the end of October. Mm -hmm. I'll, there's several forms of home rules and petitions, and honestly, I'm hearing a great deal of good chatter about it and, and debate as well. I can speak to that, and I can speak to college, collegiality, honestly, in the State House. Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree and disagree it's with a lot of my colleagues. Climate, isn't it? It's yes. a different climate, isn't it? It's a different climate, and there's a different way of also building consensus, right? You know, you, I went out to Fitchburg, and I, they see housing differently than, obviously, Boston does. And it's, it's being able to speak to people's lived experience but also able to also hopefully coalesce around something. So it is a lot harder to get people to coalesce around mm -hmm. a lot of things, including rent control. All I can say is we're working as hard as we can. Well, lots, uh, lots to do. Uh, Michael, you, last time you were here, you said to never say never. Never say, but, yeah, you never uh, say never. Uh, Obviously, politics is in your blood, yeah, and helping people is in my blood, and uh, being out with people. That's the best part of the job is yeah. it's not being in the building or being stuck in the yeah. chamber. It's, it's being out with people, and I've been blessed. Uh, to have served the entire city, to have been reelected uh, as many times as I have been, to build those relationships, to have those friendships, lasting friendships that I'll cherish and value, one of which is sitting here as well as yourself. So, uh, again, see what happens. Uh, I think it was time to kind of maybe take a step back uh, and uh, spend some time, more time with. Uh, Laureen and the kids and to try to pursue well, other interests. you're too interest, young to retire now, yeah. aren't you? Too young to retire, of course, <laughs> but I'll play an active role in, 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 in any capacity. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and, serving and on, on, on committees. And do I understand that uh, uh, Mayor Wu has uh, pointed you to the uh, convention That's uh, correct, yeah. yeah she had yeah. asked if I wanted to serve on, on, and it just so happened there happened to be a seat, so I accepted that, and another way to contribute, another way to kind of give back. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, and uh, the MCCA building uh, I've known yeah. since it's in, yeah. since it was built, but lots of things. We have lots of issues. We've got an affordable housing crisis. We've got mass and cat. Mm -hmm. We've got so much stuff That's to be right. dealing with between now mm -hmm. and the end of my term. And to have it be about that, the fact that the city council is in the news for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Hopefully tonight will set the tone moving forward that behavior is unacceptable oh, well. and that people want people to roll up the sleeves, work together to solve some of these problems. And I think we're going to. Find out tonight that there's two incumbents that won't be moving forward. Uh, we've got a new, uh, a new opportunity yeah. for some and folks in District true, 3. I hate to cut you yes. off. I think that's history made. I don't know that it's there's ever ha been a District City Council yeah. that didn't make it through the prelim. Yeah. Right. Now, they may have lost in the final, right. but I, I don't know that that's ever yeah. happened I agree before. With you. That's yeah. a history. Yeah, how much, how much influence has uh, Mayor Wu played in this? You know, it used to be, we always just talk about uh, the heavy hand of uh, Mayor Menino, mm -hmm. and, and, and Michael, you yeah, felt he, that firsthand there. Yeah, but, he knew uh, electoral politics uh, better she, than anybody. Uh, uh, putting an imprint here? Is there a fingerprint here? I think you would find that in D5 especially. She yeah. endorsed directly, and yeah. I think you're going to see that that helped. Yeah, huge. Um, yeah. Uh, Enrique huge Pepin. Pepin. Uh, yeah, he get into, he's a young candidate uh, and get in the get into the field very late. Uh, may top the ticket tonight, yeah. uh, and it's probably yeah. going to be between well, him we'll and, and, how and is the uh, mayor Jose Ruiz, who's a great candidate. Since I got you here. Uh, you always you know, had a great relationship with her. Not only do I have a great relationship with her, but I find that um, I can, I feel like I can hold her accountable when I disagree with her. She's open, she listens, she changes, and honestly, I, I'm really happy that she yeah. is our mayor. Yeah. I am happy. Michael, it's, it's, it's the toughest job in Boston, probably oh, one of the toughest oh, jobs in the country. Uh, I've enjoyed a great working relationship with her as a city councilor. She's my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, she's someone that uh, will, will appreciate and value and trust my opinion. We can have a dialogue, mm -hmm. don't always agree. As, um, as Senator Edwards has well, requested, and also know that she's a good listener. Right. 
and she'll hear you out. And if she could broker compromise, which does not happen on the floor of the city council these days, but if she could broker compromise, she will broker compromise. Yeah. And that's what we've done together on the floor well, of the council. We'll see uh, what that yields for, uh, along with the results from today's uh, preliminary election. Of course, uh, tonight we're bringing you all the results from that. When we come back, uh, we'll see if we have updates from that and some other guests joining us. Stay tuned. You're watching this special edition of Talk of the Neighbors. Thank you to Senator Edwards. Thank you. Thank you, Thank to you Joe. Great to, great to see you again. Nice to have you both Thank here. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. We'll be right back with more of this special edition of Talk of the Neighborhoods. We need a accountability. I mean, we pay taxes and we try to do the right thing and uh, just like to get uh, things done. I mean, keep the streets clean, the, the, the graffiti, the... Uh, I don't know, just to get the support we we need as taxpaying citizens. We need the best education and then the most important, we need to uh, sit together and then make the world better than each other. Because we need school, more education, more school, and then more patient, and then we need the world continue with a lot of respectful. Boston is a city on the move and so I voted because this is like there's so much going on right now that's really good but there are also a lot of problems and room for improvement. I really care about affordable housing, um, more uh, bike infrastructure and safer streets. I care about um, public accountability and democracy and so I voted because our voice matters and I think that matters in uh, these primary elections where the percentage of the turnout is quite low. It's education for the youth I believe will be the number one priority. I don't think that there's enough as far as curriculum goes in the city of Boston. I would like to see them teach a more broader perspective on the whole world in general, you know. Um, not mainly have to be African studies, but something on that level where kids could just know more about, you know, just the United States of America. I think the city needs more attention on how to resolve what's happening at Mass and Cass. It's, re it's reached its own level of critical mass at this point, and we really need to be serving the people who need the most help while being respectful, too, of the best needs of the community that surrounds it as well. And I think also there needs to be more focus on education. I know that, you know, 40% of uh, Boston students aren't graduating high school, and that just shouldn't be... Uh, how it is in any city, let alone in the city of Boston, that's the birthplace of public education. All right, we're back with this special edition of Talking the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisley-Rose. Tonight, we're covering all the results from today's preliminary election here in the city of Boston. And it's not citywide, but it's four very important and large uh, districts in the city. And we're talking about District 3, Dorchester, uh, District 5, that's Hyde Park, Roslindale, parts of Mattapan. District 6, uh, Jamaica Plain, a little piece of Roslindale, and also uh, West Roxbury. And not last but not least, 7, uh, largely Roxbury, but also some uh, Dorchester, Mission Hill, little mixed in there. Uh, incumbents in three of those races, the District 3 seat is open with the decision of Frank Baker to give up his seat. And tonight we're uh, we're waiting on some official results. 
we're hearing some numbers. I'm pleased to have joining me this uh, segment. Uh, she's a former counselor and, of course, a uh, finalist in the 2021 mayoral race uh, from Dorchester. Speaking of, uh, Anissa Sivey-George, nice to have you here, Anissa. Thanks, thanks so much. Joe, for, thanks, Joe, thanks for the, much uh, for the invitation. I appreciate it. Also joining us live via Zoom, an old friend. Uh, he's the former president, CEO of the Urban League of Eastern Mass. Darnell Williams is joining us uh, live via Zoom. Uh, Darnell, can you hear us? Well, uh, we'll we'll hope uh, uh, he'll be joining us shortly if he isn't there already. But uh, in the meantime, just some quick updates. And uh, Anisia, Anisa, I'm sure you've heard uh, many of the same things. It looks like, of course, we'll have a new counselor in, in District 3. They're uh, suggesting that uh, John Fitzgerald, who's the son of a former state representative, uh, Kevin Fitzgerald from Mission Hill, Looks like he may come out on top. Again, these are preliminary results, which means the top two finishers go on to the final election. Uh, the others that we're hearing, again, we're getting some reports uh, via, you know, uh, texts and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. I got the phone right here. Yeah, there it is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks like uh, that uh, Councilor Arroyo in District 5 and Councilor Lara mm -hmm. In District 6 may finish out of the money. Yeah, well, I, I think, um, especially I was thinking about it a lot today, yeah. thinking about being on with you this evening, yeah. that uh, a number of months ago, the conversation was really around District 3, around... Uh, sorry, can you hear that, that, yes. oh, oh, there, there we go. Is, Here uh, he is from somewhere. Can, can, yeah. <laughs> Hey, Darnell, uh, we've got an Anissa Saibi George here in studio. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're talking about, uh, we're hearing there could be some upsets in the making, at least in uh, districts five and six, the incumbents may be finishing out of the money, but uh, uh, join in, please. Uh, and, and I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, that's fine. Darnell, Anissa here um, in studio with Joe. I was just saying, a number of months ago, thinking about this election cycle, um, you know, the story was the District 3 race, which is still, a, you know, fascinating, interesting. I'm a resident of D3, so right. really watching that race closely. Triangle, I, I, the Polish triangle, the Polish triangle, you've got it, you've got it right. But over the last just few months, the District 5 race and the District 6 race, have really taken center stage. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised at the reports that have come out so far that both Councilors Arroyo and Lara didn't make it into the final. I think um, they, my, my thought was that the both of them would make it into the final and then have an incredibly right. competitive right. and probably likely tumultuous final going into November, but that's not the case. So yeah. those districts, it looks like we'll have a new councilor yeah. elect come November. Well, and some some new choices. Uh, Darnell, uh, is that what you've been hearing? And uh, I, I hope you can uh, hear us and we hope to have you on screen as well here. We're working on it. Okay. What, what's, uh, what did you hear today? And uh, I know you're uh, homebound a little bit. You haven't been feeling too hot lately, but uh, what's the word on the street, my friend? Well, what's on the, uh, the street is that, you know, we have to really think about, first of all, good evening, uh, Counselor. So nice to see you again. Um, can you hear me? We can. Yes. Okay. I think the thing, most important thing that what I was hearing on the street, what's really on the ballot? 
And I think there's a several ways to look at that. Character was on the ballot. Integrity was on the ballot. Um, maturity, experience, voter confidence. All of those items combined, and situational ethics was on the ballot. And so when voters go out today or went out today, that's what I was hearing in my travels, that they were really looking at the things that really mattered to them that impacted their quality of life. I mean, as the previous guest talked about mass and cast, and, you know, people are talking about it now because it's hot news. But when it wasn't hot and it was just a Roxbury issue, uh, people could not be found uh, dealing with it as a public issue. So we lived it every day. We went through it every day. So now all of a sudden it becomes sexy and then everybody wants to say that they are focusing attention on it. I made several calls multiple times and people said there was nothing we can do about it. But then when the media got hold of it, everybody embraced it. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit uh, disconcerting in that area. Is well, it? I will. Can I, if I could sure, just correct yeah, the record ahead. just slightly with Darnell. When I was a member of the Boston City Council, a great deal of my time and effort was spent on the challenges and the work that needed to be done at Mass and Cass, right. as well as the crisis of homelessness. Darnell might remember that I chaired the Committee on Homelessness, Mental mm -hmm. Health, and Recovery, um, both as it's as those challenges and problems intersect, but also as they don't, and, and in particular the, the yeah. impact on families. But for sure that challenge has persisted, and I love, Darnell, your use of the phrase, it wasn't sexy enough for a lot of electeds <laughs> to take seriously. Yeah. The chaos, the crisis, the sadness, uh, the devastation mm -hmm. that is the challenge of mass and cast and the impacts it has on, on the people of that area, on obviously their well-being, both physical and mental, their health, uh, but also in addition the impact on the community, both in Roxbury and the South End in particular. Did you see a reluctance, and Darnell, um, please you join in as well, uh, of, uh, I don't know if I'd call it timidity, but a reluctance to take uh, uh, strong actions there? I mean, it seems to just this crisis just keeps going on and on and on. It's and compounding, like, going and, on and on and compounding. Yes. You know, I think the, the hesitation to take it on um, in a major way is it's a real problem. It's, right. a, it's a difficult one to solve. It has to be um, the approach to the challenges at mm -hmm. Mass and Cass have to be multifaceted. It's complex, right? right? And, that, you know, and I appreciate as those words are coming out of my mouth that that very much is sort of a language that's used often by politicians yeah. and elected officials. It is, um, it needs to be mm. a multi-pronged. Uh, has, has, has the mayor dropped the ball on this? Uh, or is it a problem that's so complex and difficult that it'd be unfair to ask anybody to solve? It is, it is very much the mayor's challenge to solve. Yeah. Um, and it has been for a long time, certainly in partnership with the Boston City Council, certainly in partnership with colleagues um, in state government, mm -hmm. certainly in partnership with colleagues at the federal level and in neighboring communities. It has to be, there has to be a regional approach to this challenge, uh, but, it ha and it, but that effort, especially around the challenges at Mass and Cass, has to be led uh, by the mayor and that administration. Uh, Darnell, if you can hear me, how's the, uh, in your opinion, how's the mayor been doing handling that crisis? Well, I think the key is that the councilor is absolutely correct. This this is something that the mayor Wu inherited it. It was transferred over because during the Menino administration uh, to the Walsh administration, 
Uh, Quincy was really blocking us in terms of children trying to get across the bridge. There have been several ideals that have been floated. So this is not just a one person uh, challenge. I think it's an opportunity for everyone to help professionals. It's not a criminality issue. It is, as, as the counselor said, she was really on top of this when before it became sexy. I think the key is that it is such a complicated issue. People know that they can get services in Boston. A lot of the people that are down on Mass and Cap don't reside. They're not Boston residents, but they come here because they know they can get services and they'll be treated. We just need to find a very sensitive, compassionate, and uh, healthcare-driven mental health, drug dependency. All of those issues are intertwined mm -hmm. into one, and we are seeing the visibility. It's very easy when it's out of sight, out of mind. People can just go about their lives and don't worry about it, but when it's front and center, and you have to deal with it, and you have to deal with it from a public policy standpoint of view, we have to apply resources, whether they're state and city and federal resources to a problem, mm -hmm. then that becomes the real challenge. And I think that Mayor Wu and everybody is trying to do their part. It's just very difficult to how to clean it up, sweep it up, uh, clean it up without being insensitive to the yeah. needs of the individuals that you're talking about. Maybe sweep I will, it up. Yeah, Maybe I mean, the, the sweep, I, yeah, <laughs> I retracted that word because there's a lot of power around that word sweep um, and a lot of contention and conflict right. around that word. With all of that, Darnell, that you just said, agree 100%, I will add, there is certainly absolutely 100% a criminal element as it relates to mass and caste that has to also be dealt with, especially as we think about the drug trade, especially as we think about mm -hmm. the consistent um, uh, impacts on women, um, the, the frequency of sexual assault, of rape, um, of harassment. It is, uh, again, a widespread issue that needs to be front and center. To bring it back to this evening's conversation about the election, the city council certainly in part, yep. the, the new city council certainly yep. in partnership with the mayor, with the state, mm -hmm. with the federal government, need to make sure yep. that Mass and Cass is a priority, that they are looking at it in a very serious matter, not just offering it yep. lip service, not just responding to sort of the sexy right. uh, media focus that has become Mass and Cass. Action, action, action. But some would say they've been so, so busy <laughs> duking it out that uh, uh, the, the issues kind of got away from them. Has, has the council, uh, uh, you know, and you served there, uh, uh, Anissa, um, has it lost its compass, uh, so to speak, uh, you know, become too contentious? I mean, the charges of uh, racism, uh, bigotry, bullying, uh, it just, uh, you know, it seemed nonstop. I think that the, the council as a body, again, there have been opportunities mm -hmm. for real work to happen on the city council, but as a body, they've been distracted right. by both serious infractions and frivolous distractions. Right. And that has pulled them from the very important work mm -hmm of serving the people of Boston right. um, and the people that need them the most, whether they're uh, community members, because they are community mm -hmm. members of ours that are at Mass and Cass, whether they're neighborhood residents of the South End or Roxbury who, who are so directly impacted by what's happening at Mass and Cass and, and business owners in our community. But beyond that, we've got a school system. We've got right. a transportation system. Well, we've got a public lost. safety, right. um, so, some serious right. public safety concerns. When we think about our city today, that 
so much of this noise has become a true right. distraction from the the need for a real right. focus on that work. Right, and uh, for our viewers, we're starting to get some results in, and we'll be bringing to those to you as you can see. We've got some numbers now from District Three. Uh, uh, Darnell, while, while I've got you, and we've got a few minutes left here, uh, uh, why? Uh, and some very sharp comments and biting comments up at that, including charges of racism. Why is race still such an issue in this city when uh, uh, now we have a, a mayor of color? We had a uh, majority of the councilors were at, prior to the special election, uh, uh, candidates of color. Uh, why does it continue to be such a contentious issue? Well, Joe, without being, I, first of all, I love the city of Boston. I love Roxbury. And I love all 21 neighborhoods. But racism is in our DNA, and it's embedded. I mean, just a recent story of the black firefighter who had to go through what he had to uh, in one of the fire stations in terms of the app being poured and, and installed next to him while he had to retire. I mean, that is really quintessential what's beneath the surface. See, we like the pat on the back. We do the parades. We do all of the things that really say that we have gone beyond the busing Boston. But beneath the level, when the, when the economics are on the line, when health uh, coverage disparity is on the line, when we think about the cost of uh, employment and housing, all of those issues that we are dealing with, race seems to always creep into the conversation but it is never spoken of out loud, but the actions tell us we still got a long way to go. Have we made progress? Absolutely, we've made progress. It's not as overt and ugly and, and mean-spirited, but it doesn't mean that it's been eliminated. It is a constant work in progress. It's because that America was is, has been predicated upon race, and there's this uh, white fragility that's going on in America right now. So people are afraid that somebody's gonna take something away from them and whether they are an immigrant or they speak a different language or they're not, they were not born here. And if they are born here, but they're black. I mean, this is a phrase we use when we're coming up as a kid. And all these years later, I still remember it. It says, if you're white, you're right. If you're brown, stick around. If you're yellow, you're mellow. If you're red, you're dead. If you're black, get back. That, that something was ingrained in us as kids, and it's still applicable today. So it doesn't mean that I don't love America, it doesn't mean I don't love Boston, but I have to be real and keep it real because mm -hmm. those are the challenges that we're doing. If you bring up anything in Boston or you bring up uh, um, anything that we talk about, race is gonna always be a factor because people want to say mm -hmm. that I wanna have an edge above you. I'm in, you're out. Uh, I'm on the from inside. That's the challenge that we have. So this is something that's going to go away because we right. want it to. We have to be uh, deliberately worked at. Anissa, you know, and of course you haven't been on the council the last two years, but do you see it uh, as that's uh, part of the reason that uh, the source of some of the tension on the council? Well, I think there's lots of sources of tension, certainly uh, including, ambition. certainly including <laughs> that ambition. Um, Not to make um, light of it, but uh, no, but uh, egos. Yeah. Um, you know, all of this plays a role. And I go back to what I said before, and when we think about the impacts of racism, when we think about the impacts, especially on our um, communities of color, the um, distraction from the work 
that I've seen. Again, from afar, it's 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 comfy in the you know in the bleacher sh seats. Um, is again the people that need mm -hmm. government to work the most mm -hmm. are impacted the greatest when government is failing at representing the people. And again, this is when we think about the, the council as a body. Certainly there are, and, and I believe that every individual city councilor is working at the issues that are important to them, that they've been charged mm -hmm. with, that there are committees that they're assigned to, yet this undercurrent of distraction, both right. from some serious right. issues and some not so serious issues, some what I call more frivolous, have distracted the body mm -hmm. and the city as a whole from the work that's so incredibly important. You know, school started last week. Buses were still late picking up kids. Uh, let me let me say this again. Buses still didn't show up to pick up kids to get them to school. That those are challenges that families across our city are so directly impacted by day in and day out. We've got to get this work right. Um, and, you know, the, there is a challenge for the, the current body today, the city council, again, to continue with the work it's charged with over the next couple of, of months yeah. and to think ahead to this new body that will be right. a, um, it will be a new day. Well, in, well in and maybe some lessons learned there. Uh, it looks like, and again, uh, these are unofficial results, but it looks as though two of the uh, city council incumbents uh, may not qualify for the final election. Of course, top two finishers go on. You can see there in District 3, uh, the numbers that we do have uh, indicates that John Fitzgerald and uh, uh, Joel, uh, I'm sorry, Richards, I think is... Uh, can we bring that? Did we get that? Because I still have got that too close to call on that second. Yeah, well, on that second I'm not sure. And, you know, and again, I, and normally I would never yeah, check my yeah. phone, uh, as you can see there. <laughs> but we're doing uh, it. And this is—we're uh, not sure how many precincts this is, but these are some preliminary numbers. It looks like uh, John Fitzgerald has a, a sizable lead for that city council seat, District Three, uh, that's Dorchester and part of the South End. Uh, battle between Joel Richards, a uh, pastor and a, a Boston Public School teacher, like my, uh, one of my guests, and Ann Walsh, who's a former aide in Boston City Council. Looks like that they're in the, the mix uh, to see which one of them will go on. Um, unfortunately, you know, we're out of time. We've got just a minute or so left. What's next for uh, Anissa Saivi-George? Uh, you are well, okay, what's next is I'm going to go home. I know where you go with this question. I'm going to go home and uh, watch the rest of the results come in yeah. and get back to yeah. work tomorrow morning but for Big Sister, Big Sister of Greater of, Boston. Uh, yeah. I've got to do my plug. Anyone yeah. at home who's yeah. tuning in, please consider becoming a Big Sister. Yeah. It's so easy, bigsister.org. Sign up, volunteer, yeah. make an, a, a difference in a girl, young woman's life, become a mentor. Yeah, is it uh, what you uh, hoped it would? I remember you coming in uh, shortly after you took the position and have you ruled out uh, public service again in the future i i certainly have not i think you had michael <laughs> on council flaherty earlier you never say never i am you know grateful to be able to be in mm -hmm. this role continuing in service to others mm -hmm. it's really important for me i was actually talking with some of my team this morning during a meeting and i say i 
want to be useful. I want to be able to make an impact. And I'm so grateful at Big Sister that yeah. I have that opportunity to make an impact. I think the next discussion we're all going to have, not tonight, but in the coming weeks and months, especially post the uh, November election, but right after the November election, will be the City Council presidency and how that um, really also plays such a big impact right, we'll see what in happens. the political field. Yeah, Ed Flynn is uh, term is up. Uh, and Darnell, uh, I know you uh, uh, gave up your uh, your post there at uh, Urban League, and uh, but you'll continue to uh, work on uh, issues affecting uh, the communities of color, jobs, uh, etc. You still there? We might have lost Darnell. So uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, I know I do know that he's doing. Uh, great work for the MBTA these days. Uh, Anissa, thanks so much for coming in and joining Thank us. Thank you, Jim. To have you, here. you look great. Appreciate it. And when we come back with more of this special edition of Talk in the Neighborhoods, well, we'll uh, look a little deeper into the races for the uh, District's five and six races with uh, uh, local candidates uh, and uh, another young man who's making his mark in politics. All that and more. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. spent a career um, bringing people together to talk about mm -hmm. important issues, right? It, potholes are really more emblematic of the you know, transportation and infrastructure that we need to fix. Mm -hmm. And so I think we need to bring people together. We need to start to talk about making sure that every child in this city has access to a high quality seat. Mm -hmm. We need to um, seriously tackle the housing crisis. We need to make sure that we're building more, but doing that mm -hmm. with an eye towards infrastructure and thinking about how people are moving from one place to another. And a as a city, and especially city councilors, we need to advocate to fix the T. Um, my love for the community yeah. and, and my activities. Yeah. You know, um, Working with kids in the classroom is very important, but yeah. it's even more important to work with them outside of, the, uh, outside of the classroom. There are a lot of families that don't have the structure, the strong structure that we had when we were growing up. Uh, life is much more complex now. There are many more distractions than we possibly had. So we're going into new territory uh, as, as we go forward. One, I've got 17 years in City Hall. Mm -hmm. Right, and so my you experience. You worked where? Tell us. So uh, at the Boston Planning Development Agency, the former, former BRA. BRA right? uh, yep, I held okay. a, a number of um, number of different um, uh -huh. uh, titles throughout my 17 years there. Uh -huh. um, but well, I understand it's always sometimes looked at as uh, you know as the bad guy or the bad agency, <laughs> right? That and, and and I can understand that. Yeah. Um, what it does do is connect you to everything that the city does, right? Uh, development, you have to deal with the transportation department, the environment mm -hmm. department, the elected officials, the community, the architects, the lawyers, right? Yeah. And so you really get a great understanding of how the city works by working at that agency. A few thoughts. One is like in my background, I actually, uh, when I spent time in DC in, in my undergrad, 
I did a semester on peace and conflict resolution studies, and I was trained in mediation. Wow. And so, like, so you, you know, might, might be the right person right. at the right time. <laughs> right. So I'm not afraid of conflict, yep. um, for one. And I've spent plenty of time in spaces with folks who are having disagreement. Mm -hmm. um, so that is not something that makes me want to run the other way mm -hmm. at all. I feel pretty calm in those situations. Mm -hmm. I get in doing what I've been doing, which is pounding the pavement, yeah. knocking on doors, calling and talking to residents. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing that myself. And um, I've spoken to quite a few <laughs> thousand folks um, in the district myself. And I think that's how I win. Um, you know, a lot of people in the district appreciate talking to the candidate. Um, they're not used to it. Yeah. To answer your question, I'm a problem solver. I'm a fighter. I am one that I'm not going to say I'm going to do something and don't do it. Everyone is equal. Their voices need to be heard. And when you're in city council from these people, there may be the people that are here and they know how to get to where they need to be. But what about the people that don't know? Let's show them, let's teach them, let's educate and give resources. And I'm very resourceful. I'm out there hitting the, hitting the, um, hitting the turf seven days a week, talking to people, meeting people where they're at, letting them ask me the hard questions, um, going on mass and cast, um, talking to people yeah. there. I was even went to, um, um, the jail um, over near Mass and Cass three weeks ago to help people register to vote, right? I always want to be that person doing the work, like I said earlier. So I feel like I'm winning it because I'm out there and I'm, and I'm meeting people. And All right, we're back with more of this special edition of Talking the Neighborhoods. Tonight, we're bringing you all the results from today's preliminary election here in the city of Boston for four district city council seats, and the numbers are pouring in now, and indeed, it looks like uh, two of the incumbents, uh, Councilor uh, Ricardo Arroyo in District 5 and Councilor Kendra Lara in District 6, will not make the final ballot. That's in November. Only the top two precincts. And you can see here now we've got a, uh, some headlines coming in. This is from the Dorchester Reporter. Again, Dumkus, their uh, managing editor, uh, is tweeting that incumbent uh, Ricardo Arroyo has conceded the District 5 race. Uh, who exactly will go on to the final? Well, it looks like Enrique uh, Pepin uh, will be one of them. He was endorsed by... Mayor Wu, and, uh, and it looks like uh, former Boston police officer Jose Ruiz uh, will be the other candidate that will be in the final election. And again, the top two finishers in each of these district races goes on to the final in November. I'm pleased to have joining me in this hour uh, a couple of guys that can give us some insight into what might have been going on out in District 5, that's uh, Hyde Park, Roslindale, Mattapan, and also District 6, West Roxbury, and Jamaica Plain uh, on my right. He uh, uh, just got off the campaign trail not so long ago, uh, running for the uh, uh, vacant uh, 10th Suffolk House seat. That included a good part of the district, although I understand you live in actually District 5, I so uh, those lines change somewhat. And I'm pleased to have joining me uh, <clears throat> an up-and-coming uh, political activist uh, in the city of Boston, 
uh, Reynolds uh, Graves is the uh, chair of the uh, 18, help me out here. 1866 Action. 1866 Action. Right. You're going to have to tell me more about that as we come back. But I know you've got your ear to the ground. Sure do. And you've uh, been working to uh, help candidates, especially candidates of color, yeah. uh, break through in these races. But let's start with the numbers here. And, and uh, Rob, I'm going to go to you first because you were most recently there. Was that, uh, is that a surprise to you? Could you? Uh, see that coming. Of course, uh, Councilor Royal had some, I don't know if they call it troubles, foibles might be the better uh, term for it. Uh, just kind of kept seeing uh, some negative headlines over the last year. And uh, did you think it would add up to this, though? It was always possible. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think the margin is a little surprising uh, in terms of the distance between one and two and then two and three. Right. Um, I, I would say <coughs> it's a little surprising it, it, in the sense that it's a little bit of a quiet summer. Um, not a ton of yard signs up in right. general, and I say that for all candidates. Um, some canvassing, you know, around, but, but not, not the kind of activity you'd expect from a really contentious um, mm -hmm. four-way uh, preliminary. So. I think to see the margins um, between the top three is, is a little surprising. Well, and again, uh, the numbers we have, I think we have some numbers. Uh, if not, uh, well, this, there's District 6. And again, uh, uh, no concession yet, but it looks fairly clear that uh, Ben Weber, who's a uh, uh, labor attorney uh, from uh, Jamaica Plain, uh, uh, is topping the ticket, at least at this point, and uh, William King, uh, IT uh, specialist, uh, looks like he's second. And, and here is what we also have for District 7, where uh, Councilor Tanya Anderson, uh, who's had her own ethics issues uh, of recent, but she is uh, clearly topping the ticket. And perennial candidate Althea Garrison, a former state rep, uh, is looks like she is in second. You can see the turnout there was a incredibly low. Uh, we don't know if that represents all the precincts. Uh, uh, coming back to you, Reynolds, uh, sure. I want to talk about first about that District 5 race. All the candidates in that race uh, were candidates of color. Uh, yep. Three uh, Latinos, one yep. uh, uh, Haitian American. Jean-Claude Sanan. How much of a factor do you think it is in, in that? Or was it really strictly about uh, Arroyo's foibles or troubles. Well, I will say that I think a diverse electorate is is the greatest electorate yeah. we can possibly have. You know, yeah. for democracy to be yeah. really true, um, you got to have diverging ideas, and those ideas come out of people's different life experiences, which go down to your you know culture and what you represent yep. and what your family structure is, right? Um, but I will say that you know I think no one. Let's pull the headlines back for a second from Councilor Arroyo and and Councilor Lar for for a second if we can. No one really debated whether or not they did the work of being a city councilor. Mm -hmm. And even I think you see that in the supporters of Arroyo and the supporters yep. of, of Lara. They spoke to their constituents, they, you know, mm -hmm. they did the work, they championed the issues that put them into office. You know, run, the mayor obviously even endorsed Arroyo previously. Right. You know, he's been known as doing the work, reparations, right. you name it, right? So I think you know, that clearly sends a message, though they are not going to be on this final ballot. I think that their legacies, in a way, will hang over this election in the sense of it's up to those who are going to fill those shoes to continue to do the work. And I think voters are going to want to hear, okay, how are they going to do the work? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, the person who had not great headlines, 
but I think in the INL chamber on the fifth floor was doing the work. That's what's going to be. There were also, I, I think it's fair to say, uh, considered uh, some of the strongest progressive voices right. on the council. When, right. And uh, some have suggested that the uh, city council, uh, well, uh, politics is a pendulum anyway, but that it might have swung too far left. And uh, do you think that had any effect or any factor in this? I think it does. I think um, I think folks are looking for that middle ground of pragmatism to work together on the council. I know you've had Pepin coming in saying, I'm going to work with everybody. Mm -hmm. You've got uh, even uh, you know the new District 8 city councilor coming in uh, saying, I'm going to work with everybody. Um, because there is this divisiveness that's on the council now that has, um, I think, created these two blocks. You've got kind of the, the more moderate or conservative block and then the progressive block. Um, I think there's just so much vehement between the two sects that um, it's going to take some fresh blood to probably iron it out. I think there will still be progressive factions and moderate factions, but I think how they fight and how they work together needs to be fundamentally different. Well, and uh, Rob, uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, Councilor Arroyo was here just this past week, and he uh, he admitted that uh, you know uh, at least uh, he some people thought he was vulnerable, but he appeared confident that he was going to be able to kind of tough this out. Uh, how could it be so badly estimated the uh, the mood of the voters? Oh, I, I can't speak for the councilor's mindset, no. but what I will say is piggybacking off a little bit of what Ronald said. If you look at who the top finishers in each district are, you're still looking at progressive candidates, uh, self-identified progressive mm -hmm. candidates in Enrique Pepin and Ben Weber. So I don't know that this represents necessarily a swing to a more uh, moderate, conservative, however you want to mm -hmm. define it, in that electorate. I think each district basically, I think almost all of the voters that went for Council Arroyo and Council Lara last time shifted this time to uh, Enrique Pepin and Ben Weber respectively. And I think if that's, that's what it looks like to me, and I would say going into the final in November, you know, both of the top finishers in each respective district would be, I think, um, solid favorites as a result. And uh, I'm sure you're hopeful, uh, everybody is, that uh, uh, the results, and again, these are unofficial uh, at this point, although uh, we just got a, uh, a tweet that uh, Council Royal has conceded and the numbers do not look good for Councilor Lara uh, to make the final ballot, but uh, that, uh, uh, and there's, uh, there you can see them right there. Uh, again, Ben Weber, a labor attorney from Jamaica Plain, William yep. King, <clears throat> IT specialist from West Roxbury. Looks like they split the vote. We got some numbers earlier showing uh, uh, Weber sweeping in the uh, Jamaica Plain precincts and uh, King sweeping in the uh, in the uh, uh, West Roxbury precincts, yeah. and, and uh, well, that seems to tell the tale. Uh, there's the Boston Globe headline, if uh, you'll see in the morning, and I'm sure it's on their website right now, Arroyo and Lara both lose preliminary election battles. Uh, seems uh, almost certain at this point. Uh, uh, are you, <clears throat> why, is, why is there continue to be such uh, uh, tension and, uh, uh, you know, there were some charges, and we talked about it earlier with some of our earlier guests about uh, uh, racism, uh, bigotry, bullying. Uh, what, what, uh, what's the source of that? And uh, uh, do you think that will be tempered by these results, uh, Reynolds? Uh, your thoughts um, on that? Abby? Look, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate when folks uh, weaponize the relations that I think society has with race or with you know others or whatever multi 
ethnic makeup groups and all that. It's just, it's unfortunate, especially when it's inserted into our politics. It's unfortunate, but it is, uh, you know, unfortunately it's a, it's a reality that race does play a factor in politics. I think in Boston with the long storied history of, you know, the, the tough race relations and, and the way that relates to politics or the access to politics for certain communities, I think it creates that tension already there. Um, that the local elected leaders are seeking to represent the communities in the best way that they can, which often is seeking more resources, greater political support, fighting kind of to get what they want for their constituents and for their districts out of the higher body that be, whether that be the mayor or governor mm -hmm. or what have you. So I think there's already kind of that. Um, and, you know, budgets are pieces of a pie. <laughs> so when folks start seeing yeah. that certain, uh, certain districts are advocating for greater parks or better transportation and more money this way and more money that way, other districts that have been fundamentally or parts of any city or state mm -hmm. that have fundamentally been funded strategically for years, you know, start to get nervous. Um, and then I think that's kind of well, where the, and, the clash happens. And talk a little bit about your uh, your your action fund there, yeah. your, uh, the 1866. Uh, uh, why 1866? Sure. I, and uh, and uh, until uh, uh, Councilor Edwards gave up her seat, a majority of the uh, uh, councilors were uh, councilors of color. Sure, and of course, sure. Uh, Mayor Wu is as well. Is yeah. that... Uh, uh, an indication that we've kind of turned the page on uh, on uh, the need for more candidates of color, more people of color to serve in public office. What's been your experience? Are you finding yeah. people that want to run, or has this somewhat turned them off? Uh, some of this histrionics huh. that's taking place. A lot of good questions there. I'll try to answer yeah. all of them. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the first I want to focus on what what has brought us here today and all the voters that came out today and were fortunate enough to vote. I don't live in one of the districts that voted today, unfortunately, so I did not vote. But everybody that participated in democracy today understands the importance of down-ballot candidates and down-ballot issues that impact our day-to-day -day life, the street we walk on, you know, the, the schools our kids go to, the police that mm -hmm. protect us, what have you. Um, those are influenced by down-ballot politicians that serve in local office. Often, uh, candidates of color, or specifically what we're focused on, are black candidates, start down-ballot. Our attorney general was a down-ballot office right. holder. Yeah. Our congresswoman was a down-ballot office holder. Former the list city goes on. Former yeah. city, yeah, the list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> we named this 1866 Action Fund because that was the first year Massachusetts voters sent black legislators to the state house. They were also the first in the country. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people kind of forget that. So we took the name to remind us that black people have been in democracy. We belong in the political arena. And sure, to encourage the next generation to get up and run for them, just like President Obama said in his last speech. If you get frustrated about it, grab a clipboard, get some signatures and run for <laughs> office yourself, right? And so we're hoping to be able to encourage folks to do that. Um, what we are finding since we've launched is Successful? that- Successful? Are you finding those people? Uh, look, I think um, they're out there, you know? Um, and it's And it's- it's really more so about making politics something that is understood and that is sought after, uh, and then also helping folks understand that this is a business, that it's, there's a way in which all of this works, um, and, and as one of my political mentors and family members always says, there's no politics without money. And I think a lot of times black candidates struggle to raise the money because we're used to giving money to our church or to our community center. We are often not used to giving money to a politician because of the relationships with government, right? Um, so this is a mechanism that will be utilized to do paid media and other activities on behalf of candidates. We're not donating directly to candidates, um, but we are looking to be active across the Commonwealth. So far we've received donations from across the Commonwealth. 
uh, we'll be weighing into the general election this year, but we got a great team, and we're going to keep growing. We're going to do right. some polling one day, and we're going to do, you know, a whole bunch of rallies, and you'll see us. Love to see it. Yeah. Well, the more the merrier, uh, the more choices, the better. Uh, we've got just a minute or two left. Uh, uh, Rob, you, you dipped your toe in the uh, the water there uh, as a young man, and your uh, your uh, uh, opponent, uh, Bill McGregor, uh, around the same age as you, as I recall. Uh, you know, both young men uh, with ambitions. Uh, uh, as uh, the kind of histrionics that took place in the council, you think discouraged some people from getting involved? And it, what would you say to them? It's hard to say. I mean, we I think in District 5 we had f four candidates run. In District 3 we had three. I mean, there's healthy races in both. So I don't know that it's discouraging, mm -hmm. but it, it's certainly challenging between, you know, people tweeting at you all kinds of stuff and social media and just the, the general acrimony that's out there. I think uh, you talk to any candidates privately, whoever they are, and they'll tell you it's, it's a lot and it's right. a strain, especially on their family. Um, hopefully the results of this election and frankly, hopefully the new council can lower the temperature on that moving forward. I think it's incumbent upon all of them to do that, not just whoever comes in new, but also the existing councilors who, um, I think there's a share, a, a lion's share of acrimony uh, to be, uh, to go around there. Right, well. Uh, hopefully uh, there's some uh, lessons learned from all of this. Uh, you're watching Talk of the Neighborhoods here on the Boston Neighborhood Network, and we're providing live coverage and uh, results from today's preliminary election. Uh, we just got a, another uh, Twitter feed uh, indicating that uh, Councilor Kendra Lara <coughs> from District 6 has conceded in that race, and it looks like uh, uh, ben Weber and uh, Mr. King, William King, will go on to the final election. And you can see uh, Lisa Kaczynski, I uh, believe that she's from uh, Politico, uh, is tweeting that headline. Uh, uh, gentlemen, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks Reynolds so much Graves, for having me. Uh, Good luck to you in the thank future. You. Uh, hope it. you'll come back. Yeah. Rob. Thank you, Joe. Orthman, uh, same with you. We hope to see you again. Uh, don't give up on uh, your uh, ambitions. Uh, when we return, well, a couple more special guests, uh, some experts uh, to talk about uh, these races and what should, should we read into them. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm the only one who's lived man up in High Park with Villain Rosendell. Uh, I have built businesses in there. I have created a family in there, uh, although no longer little kids anymore. Uh, I am also part owner of a radio program, which is Radio Concord. Uh, I've done televisions and radio, informing and educating the community. I have been a civic organizer for the longest turning a lot of the people within that district into citizenry, uh, getting them to really participate into politics, mm -hmm. helping elect quite a few people within the past 30 years. And I definitely have a gut wrench. One day I tell me you are all the same. I wanted to prove them that somebody can be different, and I'm that one. For me, it's the love of public service. I think about the job 
not because of the title that it may bring or because of the responsibilities, but more because of my passion for serving. It's what I've been doing since the age of about 17 mm -hmm. when I started interning for former city councilor Tito Jackson doing constituent services in Roxbury. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I, I love being part of game planning, of puzzling, of figuring out what is broken in our city system and help fix it. I believe my body of work, I believe my resume, the other ones don't compare to. I've been successful doing a lot of things. You're talking to a trendsetter, you're talking to someone who hasn't been afraid of doing things. For instance, um, as I told you, I grew up with the most famous Afro-Latina in the city of Boston. My mom is one of the founders of Villa Victoria. Wow. And I got to see how hard she worked to bring affordable housing to the Latino community. Right. I grew up and I became their president of their board. I took them out of uh, near bankruptcy and I brought them into financial prosperity. And I was the youngest president ever at that time at the age of 24. Wow. I became the youngest executive director in youth and family services at the age of 24. And that wasn't by luck. It was by all the people that I was surrounded mm -hmm. by. From the standpoint of what I was taught was that We're back with this special edition of Talk to the Neighbors, and tonight, of course, we're being simulcast on our sister station, WBCA-FM 102.9 FM, uh, tonight with all the results from today's uh, elections, preliminary elections here in the city of Boston in four districts. Uh, uh, there were not enough candidates to uh, uh, result in an at-large uh, race, not yet. There's eight candidates in total that'll be on the November ballot. And the way the preliminary works, of course, in the district races is the top two finishers go on to be in the uh, final election in November. And uh, it's uh, clear that now that uh, two of the incumbents in districts five and six uh, have failed to make the final election ballot. Uh, we're talking about in District 5, Ricardo Arroyo, and you can see the numbers there. He's already conceded, but he's well back behind Enrique Pepin uh, and Jose Ruiz. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Pepin was a, an official in the Wu administration, uh, their director of neighborhood services. Jose Ruiz, a, uh, for 29 years, a Boston Police Department. And uh, he's uh, done, had a very strong showing as well. Looks like those two will go on to the final in District 5. In District 6, uh, well, labor lawyer Ben Weber uh, topping the ticket and uh, apparently is uh, doing very well in the Jamaica Plain precincts uh, from our sources. And William King, an IT uh, specialist who lives in West Roxbury, uh, uh, has done very well as well, and especially in West Roxbury, where he's uh, currently uh, topped the ticket in this race. And uh, as you can see, Kendra Lara has conceded the race as well. So, and the other districts, I think we have, uh, if we can bring them up. Uh, District 7, Tanya Anderson, she's had her own uh, uh, issues, uh, some ethics issues, uh, nepotism issues. Uh, nonetheless, she is. Uh, 
top the ticket there, mm -hmm. and she'll, it appears she'll face perennial candidate, former state representative Althea Garrison in the final. Uh, we shall see what happens there. Over in District 3, and I don't know if we have updated numbers there yet, but the earlier numbers indicating that John Fitzgerald, uh, he's the son, the son of former state representative uh, Kevin Fitzgerald from Mission Hill. John, of course, lives in Dorchester and uh, with a big lead there. Uh, again, we're not sure. That appears to be with 18 of 34 uh, precincts reporting. The race for the second spot, very close, too close at this point, uh, but it looks like Ann Walsh, who's a former aide to at-large Councilor John Conley, who was a mayoral finalist, and Joel Richards, a, a pastor and a Boston Public School teacher in a tight race for that second spot. Pleased to have joining me in this uh, final segment uh, a couple of political pros uh, to provide their insight. Uh, first of all, I'm on my left, uh, he's uh, twice sought an at-large seat, run terrific races, came, coming just short. Uh, uh, and uh, I want to, I'm so pleased to have David Halbert uh, come back and join us. Thanks so much for Thanks, sir. coming in and joining us. Now, the executive director of the Progressive Massachusetts Funders. I, you know, you got to keep reminding me of that. Uh, and of course, uh, the sage, uh, the you know, man who's uh, made some history <coughs> himself in the Boston City Council uh, when it was first uh, changed over to uh, Correct. at large uh, from originally from Brighton, now living uh, downtown. I live downtown on the West End. Now on the oh, West sure. End. Uh, Michael Boston. McCormick, nice, nice, nice to have you here, Michael. Nice to be Thanks here, so much Joe. for joining Thank us. You. Well, Michael, let me start with you because you've got some perspective here. Uh, what did you make of today's? Uh, were you surprised at all? Mm, pleasantly. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a banner day for the city council. Yes, really. Um, I, I look at uh, I looked at the results and the the folks who were in the final, and the candidates. Uh, for that open seat, uh, Mike Flaherty's open right? seat. Yeah, uh, I see uh, some uh, uh, Baker's open seat. Right. Uh, well, I, uh, I meant Mike's. Mike's in the at-large race, but right. Baker's open seat. Right. Yes. I, I see good candidates running. Okay. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed there aren't more uh, more voters coming out to vote, but it's. Um, uh, I, I think it was a, a terrific day for the city council, and hopefully we'll have no more clown show performances and no more front page stories about just how badly the city council mm -hmm. is behaving. I see some very good candidates, incumbents, and people who are in a position to win today. Uh, and David, uh, of course, uh, you know, one of those people that, uh, you know, thought, uh, you know, there might be some changes, but lots of times stuff happens, <laughs> to say the least, and it just flies under the, um, the microscope, so to speak. Not so much tonight, or was there something else at play in those? No, I mean, I think what you saw tonight was really the culmination of a number of things, you know, a number of factors. It wasn't any one incident, although mm -hmm. it's easy to try to pin the results on any one activity, any one story, mm -hmm. but you've seen it over the last couple of years. As you know, Council Recorrent was saying, there's been a lot of tension and animosity that's existed on the council. Mm -hmm. It's been something of a dysfunctional council, unfortunately, um, but I think it's also the fact that you've seen really, and you've had other guests that have talked about this, mm -hmm. kind of the two major factions, if you look at it on the council, right? One that seems to be a 
bit more moderate centrist, one that's a bit more progressive. But I think if you break that down a little bit further, what you've seen is that the moderate and centrist you know, coalition has really held together uh, quite a bit more. You know, I'm a sports guy. We're about to yep. start the Celtics yeah. season. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, get a banner 18 and start to win a couple months. Right. And you Four really months. see it. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> but you see, you know, it seems like that group, that quartet of, you know, counselors, Flynn and Flaherty and Baker and Murphy has really hung together. They've played more mm -hmm. team ball. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, they've been playing ISO ball. And I think you're seeing some of the result of that. You know, you have a lot of folks who are individually connecting, individually moving, but they're not moving as a unit. And so that smaller mm -hmm. group, even though numerically, you would think it's actually not gonna be doing mm -hmm. things, it's actually set the tone for a lot of the engagement, a lot of the conversation, mm -hmm. a lot of the media narrative as well. And ultimately what we've seen is the culmination of that this evening with the concessions of Councilors Lar and Councilors Arroyo. Mm -hmm. but to Rob Worth and my good friend's point previously, you know, you do still have strong progressive figures, mm -hmm. uh, admittedly in self valley self uh, Well, and that's what I was going to say. Is that a disappointment as somebody that's uh, uh, promoting progressive causes, as as your fund uh, now does? Uh, uh, is that a disappointment? I, I uh, Councillor Arroyo and uh, and uh, Councillor Lara are considered some of the strongest progressive voices on the council. Is that, is that a loss for progressivism, so to speak? To some extent. You yeah. know, I go back to Mario Cuomo's old quote, you campaign in poetry and you govern in prose. And right, and the poetry uh, <laughs> has been a little bit erratic over yeah. the last you know, few weeks in particular with this election. But on the prose of actual governance, of actual policy making, yes. Yeah. I think on the progressive side, one of the laments for many, and one of the reasons that you saw many of the established progressive groups in the city line up at the end behind Councilors Lara and was because of the fact that they're known quantities. You right. know what you're going to get on policy matters and issues uh, of policy making throughout the city. Now, the other pieces come and form a lot of sound and fury around it. But I think the question now for the progressive community is really going to be looking at, you know, particularly Enrique Pepin and Ben Weber, if they are successful, are they going to be the same kind of committed progressive standard bearers? And you know, hopefully if they are, and the temperature gets turned down a little bit on some of the rhetoric on the council and some of the animosity and acrimony that's been there, you'll see a little bit more. And also we have to think about how is, are the results on this race going to play into, uh, as Councilor McCormick was saying, what's gonna happen in November relative to the at-large race, and then the big race in 2025 when Mayor Wu's up for re-election right. for her first time. Well, she uh, endorsed, in, at least in the District 5 race. You know, uh, Michael, you go back to uh, the days when uh, uh, Tom Menino was a district uh, city councilor. But uh, as he became mayor, he became the 800-pound gorilla in just about every conversation involving uh, politics, at least city politics. Uh, uh, how much of an impact do you think Mayor Wu has had, in, or, or has she kind of uh, played a, a softer role? Well, she uh, she endorsed several candidates, right. uh, some who did well, some who didn't. Um, you know, I just want to pick up on what uh, Dave was saying. The role of the city council is to act as a check and balance on the mayor. Uh, the fact they work together is very important. The fact that we have a progressive uh, versus moderate conservative council okay. is irrelevant. Right. What's important is the council work with the mayor. Uh, I'll point to, to we have um, a city that's struggling badly, mightily, with uh, commercial office space. Right. And the commercial office tax, uh, what's generated- right. uh, A lot of revenue. Or it's 90%. Previously. 85, 90% of the city's revenue comes from the commercial tax base. And, w and once they start seeking abatements, we're not going to have money, excess money, uh, 
uh, for firemen and for police. We're going to go back to the days of Kevin White when uh, fire stations and police stations were closing. So it's not so much who's a progressive and who's a, who's a moderate. It's more how can we work together to make Boston a better place. Mm -hmm. When the rubber hits the road, who's uh, that's right? Who's really the, the happy days up. are over? Yeah, and I think uh, Mayor, uh, Mayor Wu certainly knows it. Yeah, and I hope the city councilors realize it and work together uh, as a group and work with her as well to to make this city work. Well, and uh, Dave, uh, you uh, of course a uh, student of uh, politics and history and uh, whatever else. Uh, are hard times ahead as uh, Councilor McCormick is? Projecting, yeah. Well, I think you're seeing you know, a lot of different forces at work. So, uh, at the council's point, yes, you know, we're seeing a decrease in some of the commercial tax rates, you know, particularly as we're looking at vacant storefronts. And mm -hmm. we're not just thinking and talking about this, and we shouldn't be at least, about just you know, the big companies, right? The ones that have the names right. on the building. But it's those small mom and pops that are selling people lunch, or people are going and you know, getting their shoe shine back mm -hmm. in the day, those kind of things that we know that ancillary benefit is so critical and so important for community cohesion. So, we need to be mindful of that. We also need to be mindful of the fact that on the school front, which we all know is still the single largest part of the city's budget. Right. We're seeing the rollback and the ending of a lot of the COVID era funding that was coming through, ESSER funds and others. Right. And how are we going to make up for those programs that were funded by that at schools, all, you know, like my right. daughters, yeah. all across the city and making sure that students and our teachers and our administrators and staff are being ideally held harmless in that. And of course, making the needed investments that we have. But I think to the point on the relationship between the mayor and the council, of course, absolutely. Check and balance. You know, we do need to have that balanced government, but it's also a question of where we're placing our values. As we all know, the most important document that comes out of City Hall mm -hmm. is the budget, and that's because the budget shows us what our priorities are, what we care about, and where we care about, and who's making the advocacy, especially now that the council has more of a direct role in dictating where funds are going to be going. I think it's going to be very, very important for what the future of the city looks like. Well, and uh, again, we're, and we're just to uh, interrupt briefly, we're getting uh, some more reports. Uh, this. Uh, Another tweet by the Dorchester Reporter uh, that Ann Walsh, uh, who's in the running for that final District 3 spot on the November ballot, she's saying she's unlikely to win one of those two slots. So um, it's so close, we will wait under 100 votes at this point. So yeah. that's just a quick update on it. Uh, well, <laughs> it's. It's not probably, it is the toughest job, I think, in the city of Boston, uh, being mayor of the city of Boston. Uh, uh, all of this, uh, given what I had, what she's facing, there's some headlines recently in the uh, uh, Boston Herald that she uh, might have had conversations with, the, uh, with Harvard University about a job there. She denies it, and again, I should say, she has denied it, uh, uh, but uh, you know, we were so, uh, used to having long-serving mayors, uh, uh, do the rigors of the job mean that we could see, you know, more changes uh, more quickly? Uh, Michael, uh, it's a tough job, no doubt. Very, about it. very difficult, and made more difficult in the times we live in. It's uh, huh? you know, back when I was a city councilor, right. uh, you know, 100 years ago, things were much easier. It's 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 yeah. a lot more difficult to be mayor now. And, and Tom Anino uh, was 20 years, and he enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah. Uh, Ray Flynn, 10, and he was out. Marty yeah. didn't last that long. Right. The pressure is enormous on the mayor. And I, I mean, by any sort of metric, mm -hmm. Mayor Wu is doing a, a very, uh, doing a terrific job. 
but you know, she got two young kids and yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if uh, she finished her term and then was looking around perhaps to do something else just because of the pressure. On the other hand, I don't think she's leaving before she finishes right. the term. I, I don't think so. Well, she has certainly, I think it's fair to say, uh, 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 kind of changed the tenor of government, uh, at least uh, uh, on the surface, saying that she wants to be uh, you know, more supportive of opening up the city government. Uh, uh, you know, everything from increasing bike lanes, which hasn't gone over well, and reducing the number of, of traffic lanes uh, hasn't gone over well in West Roxbury, at least. But many other parts of the city. Uh, has the city changed so much? Is she in tune with the times? Uh, well, I think obviously the city's changed. Uh, yeah. You look at it from a demographic standpoint, you look at it from the fact that she is the first elected person of color, the first elected woman to serve in that role, and she's encountering a, a different environment than any previous mayor has because of that. Uh, you know, to Councilor McCormick's point, right, the kind of nature of being mayor is fundamentally different. The 24-7 media circus, right, you, know, you have to tweet, you have to post on social right. media, you have to be out and about in a different kind of a way. You have to show up for every fire, you have to show <laughs> Up, uh, well, you, you know, every shooting, uh, you know. And you always have to be there, regardless yeah. of who it was and what time it was. But there's a different level of scrutiny, a different level of access and connection that the public has to you. Mm -hmm. That the barriers to you know entry for folks coming from the street to your world uh, are just much thinner than they used to be. I mean, let's just go back to the beginning of the mayor's term, where you had people repeatedly, so much that we had to mm -hmm. change city ordinances, standing and shouting out in mm -hmm. front of her door in a way that you know most mayors. Mayor Balsh, Mayor Mina, didn't have and didn't right. have to deal with that. So we have to understand that it is a, a very, yeah. very different environment in that case. And I think that, of course, that plays in some pressure. And you know, as a parent, a parent of small children, I can't imagine, you know, there's nothing more precious, I imagine, to the mayor than her two sons and wanting to keep them safe. And so you have to put all of that in the context because, unfortunately, yeah. we live in what can be a very, very dangerous world uh, for folks. Yes, well. And all it takes is one person. Well, and, and that pushback that she's receiving, and it, it isn't always so vocal, but is she likely to uh, run into some opposition if she does run for uh, re-election? I mean, I think it's obvious that she's going to run, and I think it's obvious that she's probably going to run into some pretty serious opposition. You, know, you saw the conversation from earlier this summer of that little get-together mm -hmm. down in the Cape and some of the reporting that was done there. Right. Uh, again, Dumptious over at the Dorchester Reporter. What was Reporter. it called? Save Our City? Uh, Until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's an old Joel, uh, look, Kevin look, White. Uh, look to the source. George Regan. So, it's, it's George just being George. But I think for, on the political side of it, you know, one of the things that we've seen in this term is, is the mayor flexing her political muscles a little bit more, right? She was involved with Sharon Durkin, the new District 8 city right. councilor, endorsing her, and obviously they had a long time working relationship sure. there, so that's a new, you know, likely ally on the council. Potentially, she right. might have, you know, a potential councilor, Enrique Pepin, yeah. once again coming from administration and on the at-large side, Henry Santana, who's also coming from the administration. Not to say that there'll be rubber stamps by any means, mm -hmm. but, you know, having a very natural connection. I remember when I was a, a young, young staffer, young underpaid staffer, Right. on the city council, <laughs> like so many. Um, that I think fully a third to half of the councilors when I was there in 2008 and 2009 had either worked directly for or had a very close direct connection with Tom Menino. That relationship, those conversations right. really changes what happens. 
could she put together that kind of coalition in your mind, uh, Michael, that uh, would allow so. her to make some some tough decisions at sure. hand, uh, not the least of which, you know, what to do at Mass no, and Cass. Easily. I, I think she could. Uh, yeah. She's a very talented, bright woman. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would like to point out one thing David said, which is right on the money. Uh, the social media has changed the whole landscape. Yes, it's has. a different for, world. For us as well. For in us, the media, for, yeah. you know, it's, it's a whole different, you know, different dynamic. Yeah. Uh, with respect to the mayor, I think she's, uh, you know, she's doing a terrific job uh, in a different way. I mean, she's a, she has a different style than Tom Menino or Marty Certainly. Walsh or, or Kevin White, for those who were still around or <laughs> remembering <laughs> yes. uh, Kevin. Certainly George, yeah. but, um, um, you know, it's a different, different city, and it, it plays out, and it, it's playing up. I think it's playing out well. I think we have some... Some tough times coming in terms of just the the economy, yeah. and and in your mind, do we have the leaders we need to kind of make those decisions? Well, I think I'm I'm very encouraged by the yeah. city council results yeah. today. Very encouraged, um, I, and I see the challenges who are in a position to to run and do well. I, I'm I'm very very happy and pleased. Uh, one thing I, I would suggest the mayor might need someone who can deal with the city council. Mm -hmm. uh, I look to Mike Kenevy, who was uh, mm -hmm. Tom Menino's sort of go-to guy. Go-to yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Ray Flynn had uh, Joe Fisher right. and, uh, and, and others. And Kevin certainly had uh, others. I think it would be helpful if the, the mayor would establish a relationship mm -hmm. with the city council in that when, when it goes off the rails, that person, it's, it doesn't have to be her. That person can get out and say, look, Sorry. let's get back yeah. on the rails here. You're losing your uh, yeah, yeah, focus you're, here. You're losing your focus, uh, exactly. David, we've got just a minute or so left. Uh, you, uh, uh, in terms of the new council, you think that the leadership is there to turn things around? I think it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a little bit different, a little bit of a challenge. I think one of the things that happened at the beginning of the mayor's term is the fact that there's a very new council. We have a lot of folks who aren't there, who haven't been there, and they haven't worked with one another, right? When I was there, when I once again, when I started as a staff person, Sam Yoon, working for him, he was brand new, but most of the councilors had worked two, three, four terms right. together. Right. When you don't have that familiarity, once again, to go back to a yeah. sports analogy, you draft a new player, you pick up somebody we'll from a trade, to, you got to work them we'll into the system. We'll have to see what the chemistry is. Uh, well, uh, we shall see. Uh, uh, looks for certain there'll be some uh, at least uh, two, uh, actually three new councilors on the Boston City Council uh, come the new year as uh, the results from today's election indicating that councilors uh, uh, Ricardo Arroyo and Kendra Lara uh, have lost. They will not be on the November ballot. And of course, in District 3, a new councilor will be elected there. Unfortunately, we're out of time for now. I want to thank my uh, my guests in this segment, David Halbert and uh, Michael McCormick. As always, nice to see you both here. I'm Joe Heisler. I want to thank uh, the entire staff and crew here at BNN, and thank you, our audience, for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.
The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.